podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast is a proud member of the Fan Hub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with Fan Hub to put fans first. Search Fan Hub app to play your part in the journey. You're listening to Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and James Batchelor. This episode contains some strong language. Hello and welcome to the Voices of a Vic podcast with me, Ben Ayton and James Batchelor. We're here to discuss Watford's nil-nil draw away at Manchester United, Watford's first point at Old Trafford since 1985. I weren't even born, James, which you'll probably be surprised about. Um, I get a lot of stick for saying I'm an old git and that. So, yeah, unfortunately, I wasn't born back then. But, yeah, it's a tough place to go to, Old Trafford, to actually pick up points. And Watford actually managed to go there yesterday and pick up a point. I don't think it's a deserved point. Uh, we'll get into the nits and gritty of it, but what we were absolutely battered by Manchester United, and I, I still don't know how many you didn't put one of those chances away. But who cares? We'll take the point. We'll add it to the title and title, uh, tally, and hopefully we can um, grab some more points this season and try and get the survival from um, relegation. But yeah, with me is James Bachelor. James, how are you doing, mate? Um, enjoy watching that yesterday. You've been up to much today. Uh, I did. I did enjoy watching it yesterday. Actually, obviously, you know the, the point is good and it, it helps in the relegation battle. But, but as you say, you know Watford didn't really deserve to walk away from Old Trafford with a point. I thought. I thought it was a good point in general. I thought we defended well and we did very well to keep it nil nil. Um, but I, I did enjoy the game. You know, it's always great. You know, watching Watford play Manchester United, and you know, it's been lovely weather this weekend as well. I've been outside. Actually, I'll show you what I've been reading for everyone on YouTube. I've been reading my uh, my Troy Deeney autobiography. Um, so I'm about halfway through this. So hopefully going to finish this uh, within the next week. Um, and I went to the cinema yesterday, Ben, as well. They were doing a, a deal. So I could, I could go to the cinema for, for three quid, which was which is very, very nice. The film wasn't very good. But yeah, I've had a good weekend. I don't, don't know about you, but I've you know, largely had a good weekend. Watford, Watford haven't lost. So, so that, makes, that makes everything <laughs> a lot better. It, it always helps, mate, when Watford haven't lost. Uh, and I'm surprised we're actually here talking about a Watford point at the end of the day. Um, yeah, I must say first, before we get into things, apologies that we didn't do a, a midweek podcast with reaction yeah. to a Crystal Palace result. Um, it wasn't because we were fuming or anything with the result. We would have done it. But um, I actually, I've got tonsillitis and I still do it at the moment. Um, I had it Tuesday and my throat was so sore. Um, so don't be surprised that I'm, I've got two um, pints of squash next to me now and I've got to keep on drinking just to keep my throat a bit lubricated. So. But yeah, weekend's been all good. I've done some wedding planning today, went to a venue and did some more planning. I can't believe how much actually goes into a wedding, mate. Um, <laughs> luckily, luckily, my missus picks up all the majority of it, but went there full intention for it to be about 45 minutes for an hour of meeting, two hours later. And I was like, Jesus Christ, so I, I didn't realise how much went into it. But yeah, um, that's that's enough of that. We'll, we'll jump straight into the Watford game. So Watford obviously went to Old Trafford off the back of a 4-1 defeat at home to Crystal Palace. Quickly, James, before we get into Man United stuff, totally unacceptable to lose at home to Crystal Palace 4-1, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, uh, honest, honestly, it was dreadful. I mean, I mean, you, you say, you know, we didn't re- record during the week because you had tonsillitis. I really didn't feel like recording anyway. It was it was such a bad result. <laughs> I, I, I came away from Vicarage Road um, really angry, actually. You know, I, I don't usually get that that stressed at football because I always go to football with the view that, you know, regardless of how much we sing from the stands, you know, we can't really influence what happens on the pitch. It's, it's largely down to the players. Um, but I did feel, I felt helpless, um, you know, on, on Wednesday when we faced Crystal Palace. It was a really, really poor result. Um, Sizoko scored a goal, which is which is the rarity. But you know, <laughs> largely, uh, you know, the game was the game was absolutely dreadful. You had Roy Hodgson facing his former club. Wilfred Zaha scored two goals. The fourth goal was was absolutely ridiculous. Um, it was just. A I really, haven't seen it. 
Yeah, it, it was just a bad day overall. The atmosphere inside Vicarage Road, you know, as 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 it has been this season, was was really really poor. Um, and to be honest, you know, the point at Old Trafford's good, but looking back at some of the home results we've had, losing to Norwich, Palace, Brighton, I, f- I think the point against Man United for me is is meaningless really, because I'd much rather um, we pick up the points against the teams in and around us. Um, but yeah, you know, as, as I've said, it was an awful result on uh, on Wednesday. Yes, it was a much improved performance at Old Trafford. I'd say it was, it was a lot better than, than than the performance on Wednesday. But still, obviously, you know, Manchester United did did deserve to win the game. Yeah, well, because I had tonsillitis, I didn't attend the game. So I, I was streaming at home and it's the first time I've ever ended a stream um, early. Um, the moment that third goal went in, I was like, I'm not, I feel like shit. I'm not watching this. I'm not putting myself through it. And then I had a notification for Watford a few minutes later saying Zaha's made it 4-1. I was like, brilliant. Um, I'm going yeah. to bed. <laughs> um, it, it's just terrible. Like, I just wanted a bit of a bite from Watford against Palace, which we've seen before with other teams. I, I don't know if that's because of the personnel in the squad's changed where it's probably meant a bit more to the people in the squad, where they've all probably moved on now, like the likes of Troy, Dean and Etienne Capu. And now maybe the Watford players, when they come up against Palace, are like, oh, it's just another Premier League team. But to us fans, it's not just another Premier League team, is it, James? But um, just got a message from Mike Duffy. He's watching. Um, he's commented on the performance against Crystal Palace. Horrendous performance, he's called it. How can we go from such a compact performance against a strong Villa side to losing to a Palace side who hadn't won in 2022. Um, I'll tell you why, Mike. It, it is what Watford do. It's a very watford East thing to do. Um, expect for unexpected with Watford, really. Um, you can't say anything else. Um, you expect them to pick up points against the lower sides. Doesn't happen. And they manage to pick up points against the bigger sides, which James has already mentioned. Um, and we're going to talk about it now. So jumping straight into the Manchester United result, um, the Watford team that lined up at Old Trafford was Ben Foster in goal. Uh, Jeremy Ngakia came in for Kiko Feminia, who I believe was suffering from a knock. Um, Craig Cathcart, Samir and Kamara makes up the back four. Sissoko, Imran Loser, Tom Cleverley in the midfield three. And up front was Ismail Asar, Emmanuel Dennis and Joshua King. Um, so... Any any shocks in that, James? No, actually, I, I won't go any shocks. I want to bring up about Tom Cleverley really first. I, I don't I don't think his performances lately warrant a start week in, week out. Um, I don't see, from the stand's point of view, what he actually is doing at the moment. He, he runs a lot for the team. I give him that. He does put a lot of work on the pitch and runs around. But I don't see what else he really brings to the team. And I do think it's affecting us. I don't want to use Tom Cleverley as a scapegoat. We have done, we've had, we have had scapegoats before at Watford, haven't we? We've had the um, Chalabar, True Seacon, and now maybe it's Tom Cleverley. But really, his performances haven't been good enough to warrant all these starts, have they, James? They haven't. And actually, going back to the Crystal Palace game, as, as we just discussed, I think that really showed where where Tom Cleverley is lacking in his game. You know, you, you mentioned, yes, he, he runs around a lot, but but really, is that is that a good trait to have? You know, he, he might run around a lot. He might put in the effort. He might run 10 kilometres a game. But if he doesn't have the quality on the ball, um, if, and if he doesn't have the quality to, to play in midfield and the composure to play in midfield, I think, I think that's a real issue for us. And I think it's quite evident to everyone that, you know, Tom Cleverley, you know, is, is one of Hodgson's favourites. I think he played under Hodgson for, for England. Um, yeah, he received all of his England caps under Roy Hodgson, 13 of them. So, yeah, there's obviously a connection there and Hodgson does favour him, doesn't he? I, I think that's absolutely fair enough. And I, I can see why Roy would play him because he obviously <laughs> trusts him in, in a sense. But, you know, looking at the past, I'd say five and five or six games even, um, I'd say Kayembe offers a lot more than, than Tom Cleverley has done. But I do think Roy Hodgson will persist with Cleverley because... As I said, you know, he's, he's one of his favourite players. He trusts him. As you say, he, he played 13 times for Roy um, at, at international level with England. So I don't think there's anything we can, as we as fans can necessarily do about it. But I do think Kayembe deserves a chance because Kayembe has done nothing wrong and cleverly has shown in the past 
four or five games that he's just not up to up to Premier League level at the moment. And, you know, he's aging as well. He's, he's 31, 32 years old. Uh, he's not going to get any better. So I think it's I think it's time, you know, it's, it's crunch time now. We haven't got any time left in the season. I think Kayembe, you know, does does deserve a chance to prove himself. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump to Freddie B's comment here. He's um, just popped up saying, I, I love Clem, uh, Cleverly, but Kayembe and Etabu are too good for the bench. And I, I agree, I'd rather... KMB or Etebu, who's actually starting for Watford um, ahead of Tom Cleverley. I do think they bring more to the team. Etebu, for example, where he gets stuck in a lot more and actually wins challenges. I, I just look at Tom Cleverley and he just commits fouls. Um, he doesn't really win the ball. He, it's like He's like the Paul Scholes tackler, isn't he, at the moment, where he, he's, he just never wins a ball and it's just like he ends up in, in the book and it's just frustrating because he has had that side to him but because he's getting a bit older maybe he's slower to react and slower to get into tackles but like the Villa what was it he came on to a game the other week and he came off a bench and it was just he just rammed into people Burnley away he was just sliding into everyone just yeah. taking them out like, come on Tom uh, but KMB he offers so much more as well I love how he just he gets the ball he spins with his body and his first thought is to look up and look forward and he, he travels up the pitch. He's comfortable with the ball at his feet as well. And then to bring Mike Duffy back in as well, saying, can't wait to chat next season, saying how good um, Cleverly is and how key he is to the team in the championship. But this is the thing, Mike, we're on about the Premier League and he's not up to scratch in the Premier League and he might be all right in the championship and we might have to deal with Tom Cleverly um, next season. But that's that's a bit later on down the line and for me, Premier League is not good enough, and I, I don't even know if he will be good enough if we're like fighting a for a team fighting for promotion next season. Yeah, yeah, last season he, he was massive for that, James, wasn't he? He was a big leader of the team, and he did play a massive part in getting what was promoted. But two years down the line, I, I don't see him being that much of an effect in the championships next season. Do you? I don't think it's so. I mean, I'm, play, not I'm not entirely sure when his contract expires. I believe um, it is 2023. But as I say, I'm, I'm not sure about that. Um, okay. Yeah, you know, he obviously will be, you know, one of our key players in the in the championship if we go down. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't necessarily expect him to start every game. I do think if we can keep the likes of Loser, Kayembe, Atebo, um, I think that would be, you know, a good midfield base to, to build off. Um, but, you know, there's no doubt in Tom Cleverley cares about the club. I think that's evident to everyone. Yeah. He's, been, he's been here for a long time, over two different spells, um, and he wants to do the best for the club. So I'm not, doubted, I'm not doubting his, you know, overall, um, you know, love for the club or, or, or wanting to do well for the club. Um, I just think sometimes, you know, players can get, you know, too old in their careers for, for a certain level. And I think Tom Cleverley's probably reached that stage, and that's not his yeah. fault. That's just the natural progression um, of a professional football player. So... Yeah, Tom Cleverley is, is a good professional. He runs around a lot, but at the moment, it doesn't look like he has the quality to, to be a Premier League midfielder, unfortunately. Runs around like a ball in a china shop, as Mike would probably say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in his Birmingham um, accent. In his Birmingham accent. I, I would attempt it, but I'd completely butcher it. I, I, I'd just make myself look stupid. So I'll leave that one to Mike. Um, but a, another guy, who he, he came in for the start. It was, it was in Gakia, James. How did you think he'd get on? Um, obviously, I, I've seen a lot of people say on social media that he he did really struggle yesterday and maybe it's down to game time. He, he's not playing consistently, is he? He's maybe featuring for a game or two and then missing five, six games and then he's been called upon again for a game or two. It must be difficult to play consistently well or even well when, when you're in and out of the team so often. Yeah, it is. And, you know, just talking about his performance in general yesterday, I thought it was a poor performance. I thought, you know, Ronaldo, Bruno, Pogba, that they got the better of him, for, you know, for, throughout the entire game. But that's not really Ngakia's fault. He's, he's a young man. Um, he's just starting out his career, really, um, at Watford. And, you know, he's, he's a Premier League fullback at the moment. And, yeah. you know, he's, he's obviously not at, at the level currently. Um, you know, I've seen a few people on Twitter saying, you know, maybe we, we should have loaned him out at, at the start of the season. But I, I think, you know, Ngakia probably expected to receive more game time than 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 he has done. I think Kiko Feminir will, will probably leave leave this summer as well. So I think, you know, the, the question is open there whether, you know, we probably will go down. And I think Ngakia is, is good enough to be a starting left back in the championship. 
Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really, know, I don't really know how to answer your your question. To be honest, I mean, obviously, you know, do we you, need to improve. Do you feel with Vingakia? Do you feel that we've probably wasted his talent? Do you remember when when, when we signed him and under the Ibich, he was he was playing consistently at right back, right wing back or right back, and he, he was playing really well, great performance. In I think it was top of like the tackle charts at one point of the season for interceptions as well. Since um, Ibich went, he kind of lost his place to Kiko Feminia, didn't he? And he has he's struggled to get back into the team. But yeah, do you think he's just struggled since then, and that's really like affected his performances? I think I think it's two different circumstances because you know the first instance you mentioned we're in the championship we've got a good squad and, and we're fighting for promotion and then we're in the Premier League and we're struggling um, you know to battle against relegation so you know there's you know you're playing you're you're playing in the progressive team and then you're playing in the really really passive team and I think that's probably hindered him um, I think you could probably argue that the managerial changes have hindered him as well if he worked under a coach. But a longer period of time, you could you could really you know tailor his game and and, and get him to train um, you know as, as well as possible. I think Zisco was probably the man for that. Unfortunately, at Watford, that's not the case. That the managerial turnover is really really high. Um, so I think there's a number of factors really. But he's still really really young. He's only just turned 21, I think, as well. So he's got plenty of time to develop. Um, I, I'd assume he'd be the starting right back in the championship if, if we went down as well. Um, so I'm not I'm not too concerned. He, he's doing as well as he can do. Like I said with Tom Cleverley, I can't fault their effort. They're doing as best as they can for the club. Um, but sometimes, you know, the Premier League just isn't someone's level at the moment. And I think that's the case for, for Jeremy Ngakia. Definitely. And obviously the, 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 the match started and it, it was backs against the wall really for Watford, wasn't it? Manchester United, just opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. And they, they missed the lot. Um, they, they struggled. It's not like they weren't getting in the right positions. Ronaldo found was in acres of space in within four minutes, and he shot um, cannoned off the post. And luckily, Watford managed to clear the ball away. But warning signs of there early on, James. It, how was you feeling at that point? Was you thinking, "Ah, crap! This is it's going to be a long afternoon. This could be a big scoreline." But yeah. Yeah, I mean, as as you say, I mean, the first 10, you know, I, I say the first 10 minutes, the, the, the whole game was just a barrage of, of Manchester United attacks. Um, I, I thought the first few minutes, actually, Watford did well to, to assert themselves in Manchester United. We tried to counter-attack a couple of times through Dennis, um, Saar and Joshua King, and I did think that worked to an extent. But, but obviously, after, after the first few minutes, you know, Manchester United, with the players they've got, they kind of asserted their, their dominance on, on us and... You know, we, we did very, very well to get to half-time nil-nil. You mentioned the Ronaldo chance there that hit the post. He obviously should have scored there with the quality he's got. Bruno Fernandes had a one-on-one -on -one opportunity with Ben Foster. On any day of the week, you know, you'd bet your house on on the fact that Bruno Fernandes was scored, scored that opportunity. Uh, shout out to Ben Foster, by the way, because I thought he did really, really well um, just to kind of close down the angles in that game um, because they did have so many opportunities, Manchester United. Um, there's not really much for me to say in, in the regard of the Watford performance because, as I said, you know, we were, you know, really under the cosh for, for the entirety of the 90 minutes, bar a few um, counter-attacking opportunities. Um, but when, when I got to half-time, you know, I, I, I did kind of have had a little bit of hope. You know, Ismail Asar was creating a few opportunities. I think Dennis, uh, you know, challenged uh, De Gea with, you know, with, with a crap shot pretty much. Um it, it was just, it was a very odd performance. And I, I, I think we should be grateful that the luck went our way, actually, because, you know, how many times I'd, I'd be sat here this season, Ben, and said, oh, VAR didn't go our way. Oh, the shot went in off a deflection. Um, but actually, you know, looking at the Manchester United game yesterday, the luck did go our way. And we actually come away with an undeserved draw, which I know a lot of fans are, are obviously happy about. Yeah, like you say, luck went our way. Like, for example, Ronaldo had a disallowed goal as well. He could have been on side on other occasions, just, and it would be one nil. Yeah, just offside. So, luckily, that went our way as well. And it's not often you go in at half time at nil nil, and that would have really uh, given the boys confidence going in at half time, thinking, right, okay, we're 45 minutes down, just another 45 minutes to go, boys. Same again, please. And how how did you think second half we we reacted from half time? Was it was it a case of Wave after wave of attack again, James. Um, did we deal with it well? 
I don't think I don't think we necessarily you know dealt with it. Very well. <laughs> I think I think similarly to the first half, they had a lot of opportunities. Pogba, um, Pogba and Matic actually dominated the midfield. Um, I thought Imran Luza for us was really our only competent midfielder. And actually going in at half time, I I really wanted Roy to make um, a couple of changes because João Pedro had just come back from injury. Um, which I thought was really, really important to us. I expected João Pedro to play some minutes at least yesterday, um, which ultimately Roy, you know, chose chose not to bring him on. And I, I ultimately wanted Roy as well to to take Tom cleverly off and and bring Kayembe on to to kind of get a bit more control of that midfield area. But for some reason, Roy Hodgson opted not to make them substitutions at half time. Um, was you surprised he didn't make a sub at half time then? Because he waited till the sixty third minute for his double substitution, didn't he? I wasn't surprised because, you know, seeing Roy in, in the first four or five games that, that he's been at Watford is very, very stubborn. Um, he doesn't really want to make changes. I think he's very set on, on the, you know, the first first 11 players he puts out. Um, and I think he wanted to give, you know, players like Tom Cleverley a, a chance to kind of go out and redeem themselves. But but actually, you know, as, as a fan wanting to win games, I wanted them substitutions to be made early so so we can go and win the game. Instead, Roy opted to obviously wait until about the 65th minute to make the substitutions. And actually, the substitutions he made were, quite frankly, um, in my opinion, they were exactly what I expect from Roy Hodgson. Negative, sitting back for the draw. In this case, it's gone in his favour because we did did actually get the draw. But it could so have easily um, gone against us. We could have lost 2-3, 4-0. And then we'd all be sitting here going... Why did Roy make such negative substitutions? And I don't know if you want to discuss them, Ben, but for me personally, yeah. I thought they were so uh, so negative and, and really hindered us actually in terms of going forward. Yeah, I wanted to bring up the substitutions. And firstly, um, jo- Joshua King didn't really look fit. I didn't think uh, first half he was holding his bat throughout. And it, it was surprised that he wasn't subbed earlier than what he actually was. Uh, but like you said, 63rd minute, it was a double substitution for Watford. Um, it was Ken Semmer on for Joshua King and Christian Cabaselli came on for Jeremy Ngakia. And then obviously later on in the 80th minute, Kushford came on for Tom Cleverley. But like you say, it's it's negative looking at it. It's, it's not going to get you excited, is it? It's not going to win you the game. Like you got Kush. You got Hernandez on the bench. You got Joe Pedro on the bench. You got KMB, who's like being overlooked as well. You would have liked at least one of them to come on, just be like, like taking off Josh King, like just Joe Pedro on. You know what he can do? He can hold the ball up very well, and the skill and trickery. We've seen what he's done against Manchester United this season already with his goal. It's like give, give a boy the chance. Um, I just thought it was negative, James. And like you say, he, he's becoming very stubborn, Roy Hodgson. You know he's not going to make a change at half-time. You know he's going to play the trusted people that he prefers. And you just know that when it comes to substitutions, it's not the first time that it's came to substitutions and Watford fans have been like, well, this is negative. Like Ken Semmer's getting a lot of game time at the moment. And nothing against Ken Semmer, but... I, I don't see what he brings to the team. I don't think he's Premier League level. Championship, he did a good job for us last season. But Premier League, you need Premier League players. And Ken Semmer is definitely not that. Would have preferred Hernandez over him. I think he does better defensive work than um, Ken Semmer. I think he offers more going forward for Ken Semmer. And Jal Pedro, I would say the same about him in both of those categories as well. It's just, I'm frustrated with the lack of attack from the bench, really. It's like, like you say, James, if, if Watford lost that, it would get overlooked. No, it wouldn't get overlooked and people would be massive uproar about it. But because we've managed to get a point out of it, it's like, oh, we won't talk about it that much because we've managed to get a point out of it. But really, it's like, and it's, it's the performances have been poor as well again, James, haven't they? It's like, it's, there's no hope. Like, do you remember back in November time when we was coming against the big size against Chelsea, Manchester City? And we walked away with those, from those games with a lot of pride and proud of our teams going oh, we might have lost but boy did the, our boys put in a shift and it was like yeah I'm actually really proud of them and we really could have won either of those games especially the Chelsea one that stands out the most um, but now we're back in February time now no, February and yeah, March on Tuesday mm-hmm. and 
and the performance levels is complete. Watford is so unrecognisable from that team back in November, aren't they? It's just like what has happened? Like that passion and desire being aggressive, and we just look like a wounded animal. Yeah, we do, and it's just you know it's this classic Roy Hodgson, and you know I, I I've, I've watched Roy Hodgson's you know post match thoughts, and you know he seems to be delighted with the point, and I know a lot of Watford fans are, and and I'm happy with the point. Don't get me wrong. But I'm, you know, I'm under the impression where, you know, we should be trying, to, you know, regardless of the opposition we're coming up against, whether it be Crawley Town or, or Manchester United, um, I want to go and try and get three points from every single game. And against Manchester United, we didn't try to do that. Yes, we had very, very few opportunities. Dennis had an opportunity um, with the hair that he should have done, you know, much better with. But apart from that, Watford didn't have any clear-cut opportunities. Manchester United had five clear-cut opportunities, which all of them could have quite easily nestled into the back of the net. And I just feel that to stay in the Premier League, there has to be a little bit of risk on Roy Hodgson's part, where, you know, he, he does have to go for games. He got very, very, very lucky against Manchester United to walk away um, with a clean sheet. If that was Man City, if that, if that was Liverpool, um, they've got even better players than United and they would have obviously punished us and we still have to go and play them sides this season. So I do think Roy Hodgson does have to be a little bit more progressive in, in how he's playing, a bit more gung-ho, um, as, as he said previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, you know, we've got the talent on the bench. He had the talent there to choose from. You know, he had the option to bring them players on. Instead, he brought on Kuchka, Sema and Cabasele, when instead he could have brought on João Pedro, Kayembe and Cucho Hernandez, and they're very, very different players. And you could clearly see what Roy Hodgson was trying to do. So for me, um, yes, the draw is great, blah, blah, blah. But I'd much rather, you know, get the draws and get the wins against Crystal Palace, Brighton, Norwich, than, than against Manchester United, because those are the teams we're competing against. We're not competing with Manchester United. We're competing with them teams, and we've already blown blown that out of the water. So, um, yeah, that's my rant think- over, but... However much I say it, Ben, Roy isn't going to get more progressive. He's, he's going to carry on the, the way he has done because that's how he's that's how he's managed, you know, throughout his career. Really, I think what's frustrating is it's Watford's home form is, isn't it? Obviously, Watford have lost like six games consecutively at home now, and I think that's the first time in Premier League history for Watford that we've lost six games in a row. You're, I can understand how he sets up away from home, and I do, I said on the last week's podcast that I do think Watford are probably set up better to play away from home and we can probably probably pick up more points away from home than what we do at home. But at home, we, we need to be more progressive, like you say, James, and we need to be more attacking and we need to be more confident. Like you say, we've got the players. Those front three, on their day, they are unplayable. Every single one of them. Josh King, Ismail Asar, Emmanuel Dennis, all on their day, unplayable. And we saw it for large portions that first half of the season, but it was our defence letting it down. Now we're getting to a stage in the season where we need to see more points. And I know going to Old Trafford, picking up a point, it's good, but performance wasn't really there. Um, Mike's put in a comment saying, very clear to see that Roy was brought in to do one thing, shore up that defence, stop leaking goals. He's done it everywhere he's gone. And I I, I, I do agree with you, Mike. He he was brought in to sort out that defence and he has done that straight away. Look, He's got three clean sheets out of the last four away games for Watford. And that's, I can't believe we're saying about that, James. Three clean sheets in the last four Watford away games is really good. But that really needs to turn into home form now. It's vital that we keep clean sheets at home. Like the Palace game was absolutely just atrocious. But we've got Arsenal next as well. It's not going to get easier. It's going to be tough to keep clean sheets, but we need to keep them at home. It's brilliant that we're picking up points away from home now. I think that will help us. Um, but home, you've got, to, you've got to turn at home form around, don't we, James? That That's what's going to keep us in this division. It's a home form. But do you reckon it's because it's it's getting a bit toxic now at the Vic, isn't it? It's, fans are starting to down towards. Like We've seen it recently in games where it's getting to the last 10, 15 minutes. If what we concede and we're losing or losing heavily, everyone ups and leaves and that's it. It's like fans can't be bothered to sit there and just watch their team perform like that. And me, for one, I don't blame them. I've joined them on an occasion this season 
it's, it's been unacceptable. But I don't know how the players are going to turn it around because they're, they're losing everyone. Um, but the home form has to be the key, James, here, isn't it? It is the key. And I think it's the key to us staying out, to be honest. Yes, a point away at Old Trafford's good. Yes, you know, you can argue a draw away at Burnley is, is good as well. But the home form, you know, any team that wants to stay in the Premier League really has to be picking up points at home. And I think we've got three, you know, crucial home games that, that coming up for the rest of the season. We've got Leeds at home, we've got Everton at home and we've got Brentford at home. And those are teams all above us and they are all in, you know, in distance to that that Watford can make up and, and drag them, you know, right down with us in, in this relegation battle. So those are the three games for me where if we want to stay in the Premier League, I'd argue we have to win every game, every, every game. You know, Leeds, we've got to win. Everton, we've got to win. Brentford, we've got to win. I don't expect us to beat Arsenal because Arsenal have the quality to beat us. I didn't expect us to team get a draw against Manchester United. So. We've got Burnley at home as well. That's another one that's thrown a mix, Ben, exactly. So, you know, that's four home games. You know, 12 points there that, that are up for grabs at Vicarage Road against teams in and around us. And at the moment, you know, Watford, in the past few weeks, have lost to Brighton, Norwich and um, and Crystal Palace. So it doesn't personally give me a lot of confidence. Um, I don't know what it is with our home form, really. I don't know whether the pressure of the fans maybe gets to the players. I know we've discussed it on here before, Ben, but I can't really, um, I don't know if you you have any idea either, but I can't really put my finger on what's causing, you know, this runner form at home because the away form at the moment in any normal season, I'd be, I'd be delighted, but the home form is so bad. And I do think the pressure from the stands is, is transferring to the players. I do. I just get a sense of feeling every time I walk into Vicarage Road at the moment, it, it, it's very nervous and fans aren't looking forward to the games that are coming up. Like I can't remember going to Vicarage Road and being excited for a game lately. It, it's been more dread. It's like, oh, how are we going to get on today? Yeah. Uh, how, how many are we going to lose by? Um, are we going to see a performance? And what for fans, I think uh, what for fans are getting used to that feeling at the moment as well. I think what for fans are probably can admit to thinking that Watford are going to get relegated and thinking, well, I can't see us saying up, so it's just going to go downhill from here. But there is still a chance. There's still a chance Watford can turn it around. We keep the clean sheets away from home and transition that into home form. We could stay up. Um, Mike's um, popped up at the bottom saying that he's actually going to the Arsenal game his first trip to Vicarage Road since losing to Everton in 2019. Cheers for reminding me from that, on that, Mike. And he's also said that six out of the seven remaining home games are against the bottom half of the table. Um, that's absolutely massive. You have to win. Like you say earlier, James, you'd rather pick up that point that we picked up against Manchester United, against the Palace, who are down at the bottom of, towards the bottom of the table, or they were until they beat us instead of picking up a point against Manchester United, they're not going to be near Watford at the end of the season. Um, but coming up against six out of the seven last home uh, home games against bottom half opposition, you, you've got to go into that one in six victories out of that. You you really have to. And I don't know where it's going to come from because, like I said, our last victory at home was back in November against Manchester United. We've just lost six consecutive games in a row at home as well. We've got Arsenal next, which is on TV, if I'm right, James. It's on yeah, TV. I believe, this um, I believe is, it, is it on Sunday, Arsenal? I can't remember. Is, yeah, is it on- uh, two o'clock kickoff, I think it is. I think it's on Sky, two o'clock. Yes, yeah, so, uh, Sunday. Maybe Watford up their games for Sky. Um, who knows? I know teams do play a bit better in front of a TV camera, so let's hope and keep our fingers crossed that Watford are one of those teams and we, we turn up and it's... it's I'm not going to call it a local derby because um, obviously we know who our rivals are in that, but it's a team that's not too far away from Watford. So Arsenal will bring, be bringing down a strong crowd and um, Watford, I imagine Vicarage Road um, sold out. It's, it, but we can grab something against Arsenal. I said last week we can grab something against um, Manchester United. I, I knew that we could go over and get something just because I know our away form is decent. Um, but home... It's going to be tight, isn't it, James? But um, 
Well, just quickly on, on, on what Mike said there, you know, with six of the seven remaining home games being against, you know, b- bottom half teams, you know, alongside Watford. If we win five of them games, that's 15 points. That That's that's potentially enough to, to keep Watford in the Premier League. So essentially, all Roy has got to drill into the players now is you win, you win your remaining home games against them sides, you're a Premier League team next season. If we fail to do that, We've then got to go away to Liverpool. We've got to go away to Manchester City. And suddenly the task is so much. <laughs> and I'd, I'd argue the task is almost impossible at that point. So if we can make Vicarage Road a fortress, like we did in the Championship last season, I think we did you know, a similar thing under Nigel Pearson. I remember beating Man United at home. We beat Liverpool at home. You know, We beat Villa at home as well, I think, didn't we? So we've done it under Nigel Pearson before we ultimately got relegated, you know, can we do it under Roy Hodgson and, and hopefully, you know, keep our Premier League status? Because I, I think that's the key for Watford now. Six of the seven home games against bottom half teams. Um, that's massive. That's massive. I didn't even realise that until today. And that's given me confidence, but equally, you know, I'm not confident in the slightest because of, of, of our form up to date. So, you know, I'm, I just bring it on is, is what I would say. The thing is, it was a good point to pick up at Old Trafford. Other teams did lose as well. We saw Leeds get smashed again by Spurs. Um, Brentford lost again. Who I, I mentioned last week on that slide, they are losing a lot of games in a row now. Um, so I can see them being dragged into it. But what, to get teams dragged into it, we have to start winning games. And hopefully that comes this Sunday. Um, but just want to say, James, as well... Um, we, we have picked up four points out of the last three games. Uh, um, we've picked up four points against Aston Villa, Palace and Manchester United. Do you... Would you say the form would have been better if we say we beat, beat, beat um, Villa, point against Palace and then lost to Manchester United? But because we've, we've, um, we've won against Villa, we took a big defeat at home to Palace... And then we've picked up a point against Manchester United. Do you think that that says to us that our form is not great just because of the way round that we've picked up these points? Or I don't know if that sounds silly. No, I know, I know what you're trying to say. I, I think the way you've said it, I'd much rather pick up the points against the teams in and around us because then you're having a direct effect on your relegation rivals. Picking up a draw against Manchester United is great in the context of the game and the opposition. But it doesn't have really an effect on Burnley, Everton, Norwich. It doesn't have an effect because you've not taken the points directly off of them. Whereas if we drew to Crystal Palace um, and we took two points off of them that they would have otherwise had, um, you know, then suddenly the table's very, very different. So I, I think you're right. I'd much rather have beat Aston Villa, drawn with Palace and lost to Man United because, quite frankly, I couldn't care less about Man United. I care about the team in and around Watford. So... If I had the option, if I was God looking down on Vicarage Road, um, that, that's what I would do. But I, I don't have that power, unfortunately. Only, only the players have that power. Um, but I do think you have a valid point. And we need to start taking points directly off our, our rivals because ultimately the relegation battle is in our control. If we win our remaining home games, we're safe. But it's not that easy, obviously. So yeah. it's an interesting dynamic to bring up. Um, but yeah. Do you reckon... Know, Fans would have taken four points out, out of those last three games because Mike um, just came up saying four points against Villa, Palace, United are taken that before, beforehand, beforehand. Would you have taken four points out of those fixtures? It's... I would have taken the points. Um, obviously, but I would have wanted rather... more performance-wise. Yeah, I would have wanted more performance-wise. I, I also wanted to... I, I would have wanted something from, from the Palace game as well. I, I don't really want to get absolutely spanked by a Palace ball. And I'd much rather... That had been a closer game, you know, nick a draw, nick a win. Instead, it's, it's been the other way around. We've got an undeserved draw against the Manchester United. We beat Aston Villa, which we didn't expect at all. And we've lost to Palace, which we thought would be the game where potentially we could win. So the results have kind of been a bit odd. Um, but yeah, you know, I would, I would have taken it beforehand. I think it's a good point to bring up. But ultimately, I want more than four points. I want I want to win every single game. Obviously, that's, that's not possible because we are only Watford, but... Um, but yeah, I think Mike's right in bringing that up. I think four points against against them three teams is good. Um, but obviously, I, I do want much more. Four points out of those last three games. But I'll throw this at you, James. <clears throat> out of our next three games, we've got Arsenal at home, Wolves away, Southampton away, 
how many points are you thinking we could probably get out of those three games? Arsenal, Wolves, Southampton. Um, I don't think we'll, I don't think I don't think we'll beat Arsenal. I don't think we'll beat Wolves. Um, so I think Southampton is the one for me. But then again, they they are doing well. So you know, realistically, maybe again four points out of them three. But that's not enough. That that's not enough to stay in the Premier League. We need to be really winning two of them games. Um, I think Arsenal, we, we seem to always have a chance against Arsenal at Vicarage Road. We always seem to have a few chances in the game. Uh, you know, I remember when Tom Cleverley scored that last minute goal and, and the scenes in Vicarage Road were great. Um, I'm, sure ben, I'm sure Ben was there as well, right behind the rookery. Um, I'd, I'd take four points, like, like, like the three games just gone. Uh, ideally, I'd, I'd want two wins, though, whether that be against Arsenal and, and Southampton or, or Wolves and Southampton. I do think the Southampton game is probably the easiest out of the three. But then again, no Premier League games easy. So I, I'm talking complete and bollocks, to be honest. We, we just need to win. <laughs> we, we, need to, we need to win two of the three, pretty much, is, is what I'm trying to say. Well, yeah, we definitely need to do that. I think we've still got a game in hand as well, don't we? Um, well, we've got a game in hand on Brentford. Um, so I think that's vital. And isn't that game in hand, the game, the rearranged game, the Wolves game, I think? Uh, yeah, the Wolves I so, yeah. Over Christmas. Um, so that's our game to catch up with Brentford. But we're level on games with Norwich um, and Leeds. Um, I think Burnley have two games in hand, though, on us. Yeah, Burnley and Everton have two less than us. Um, but yeah, goal difference for Watford, minus 22. It's not the worst in the league. I think it's the third worst in the league, actually. Um, Norwich got minus 40. Leeds have got minus 31. Watford, minus 22. And then you have to go to Newcastle and Brentford on um, minus 17 if you're looking at the goal difference and maybe an extra point on what other teams have got. Um, but yeah, Arsenal this weekend, James, you, you yeah. just said you're not you're ex- not expecting Watford to win. What are you expecting from this Watford side that's going to face Arsenal at weekend? Are you expecting another negative performance? Are you expecting another... Or, or are you expecting a gun-ho performance, James? <laughs> Um, I'm not expecting a gung ho performance from Roy Hodgson. I think I think we've all learned that Roy Hodgson does not play gung ho football. Um, what am I expecting? I'd like another clean sheet, but I don't, I don't really think that's going to happen. Um, I just want to see a performance where I can leave Vicarage Road and go. I'm really proud of the team today. I'm really proud of the performance they put in. We might have lost, but actually the performance we put in, the effort levels we put in, um, you know, that they were great. That, that's what I'm hoping for. I don't actually yeah. mind when Watford lose games. Um, you know, I'm, I'm quite chilled out about it most of the time. What annoys me is when the team clearly are not playing for the badge. And we've had too many of them performances this season, and especially from certain uh, players as well. Um, you know, I, I do think there's certain players that need to be brought out of the team but for their own for their own good. Um, so I just want to see a performance where, you know, the players play for the badge. We might lose the game, but actually I don't expect us to beat Arsenal. All I want is a good performance, good effort levels. And if we can nick something, then great. But if not, you know, Wolves, Southampton, that's who we should be trying to pick points off, especially Southampton. Um, but yeah, you know, if we do get something for Arsenal, it, it will be a positive, of course. Yeah, it's going to be a difficult afternoon at the Vic. I'm not expecting much at all. I think it's going, going to be a to very... The, are you going to the game, Ben? Because obviously you couldn't go to the Palace game. Yeah, I couldn't go because of the tonsillitis. But yeah, I'll, I'll be going to the game on Sunday, 2 o'clock kickoff. Um, I keep thinking I it's think Saturday. I'm, I'm probably going to turn up on Saturday at 3 o'clock and wonder why there's no game. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if you do, that, to be totally honest. But yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. And it, I think it's going to be similar to the recent home performances that we've seen as well. I think it's going to be similar to the Brighton performance at home. You know, that first half was, it's very negative. We've sat deep, we've invited pressure on, we've respected the opposition too much and we've just literally just defended the width of the penalty box and just stuck everyone in front of the ball and just, it's just going to be an ugly performance, I think. I don't think Roy Hudson's going to switch it up. I don't think he's going to, Add any attacking players to the starting lineup to give us that um, progression in the side that we need. 
Um, it's just very lacklustered at the moment under Roy Hodgson as well. But James, if you, if we if if you were in charge of a Watford team, would you make any changes to that team to prepare yourself for Arsenal? I, I know one person who's probably be coming out of the team straight away. Um, but yeah, would you make a couple of changes to that Watford team? There's two players that are coming out for me. The first one is Joshua King. Um, from reading what Roy Hodgson said after the game, um, he knew Joshua King still had a back injury and he still started him against Manchester United. I don't know United. why you him. Well, it's baffling to me. You know, why would you start an injured Joshua King when you've got Cucho Hernandez or João Pedro on the bench to come in come, come in, in his place? It's, it's crazy management. And, and again, I think that just shows that Roy Hodgson has his favourites and he is stubborn about his selections. So... As I said, the one change I would make um, up front is Joshua King out and, and João Pedro in. I think João Pedro has the potential to be one of the best players in the Premier League, to be honest, you know, later in his career. So I'd, I'd bring João Pedro in, of course. Um, and the other change I would make, again, another another Roy Hodgson favourite is, is Tom Cleverley. I love Tom. I've literally got a signed photo of him up on my bedroom wall to the right of me here. Um, however, he's, he's clearly not up to Premier League standard anymore. I think that's been clear for, for a very long time, if we're being honest. Um, and I'd bring in Kayembe for him. Kayembe, only 22 years old. As you said earlier, Ben, progressive in, in, in his passing. He looks to pass forward as, as much as possible. Um, he's physical, he's strong, he's tall. He's exactly what we need in the midfield, really, at the moment. So for me... King out, Pedro in, Cleverly out, and Kyan Bayer. Yeah, I think I'd probably do the same, mate. Um, Josh King, I, I, if he's not fit, don't start him. Um, it, it could it could cause him a lot of grief further down his line in his career. And I know you want your better players to play to try and get you out of his position, but playing an injured Joshua King, who's probably at 50%, he was holding his back for the duration of that first half. It's not the way to go about it. So, yeah. Joel Pedro has to come into this starting lineup. We've said this before. When Joel Pedro plays, he he offers so much to this team. Um, I love his willingness to get forward, his trickery. I think his ability to hold the ball up for such a young guy as well. Um, but like Freddie B's just popped up and said, we all know Roy won't change a thing. Um, and I think you're spot on, Freddie. Um, we're just thinking out loud, saying what we would like to do and what you would like to do, Freddie. Let us know what you, you would want to do to the side but you, you're all right um like James has said all, all evening he he seems to be very stubborn and f- f- I don't know if you've read this as well James um I've actually read a lot of things that ex-Palace players have said about Roy Hodgson lately especially Wilfred Zaha who he said that he wouldn't really give the attackers time of the day in training grounds and wouldn't really work on their patterns of play or anything um have you seen the same bits I have, um, and actually, I, I I can kind of see what what Wilfred Zaha is saying because, yeah. um, you know, seeing a couple of quotes from Roy Hodgson's press conferences at Watford, he's kind of just said, you know, let the midfield pass the ball to you, to the attacking players and let the attacking players score the goals. If they can't score goals for Watford, that's their problem. That's essentially what Roy Hodgson said in in his previous press conferences, and as you say, that kind of relates to what Wilfred Zaha said as well. There's so much focus on setting up defensively and, and you know, sitting low and, and, you know, sitting with two blocks of four. But actually, when we do get the ball and we do, you know, ben- venture forward on, on very rare occasions, we don't really have any idea what to do. So as much as I hate Wilfred Zaha, I think he's offered an insight into, into kind of how Roy Hodgson manages. And, you know, you saw how good Palace were on Wednesday. Yeah. Zaha caused us all sort of problems down down that left wing. And I wish, I, I wish you know, I, I wish we could have Zaha in our team and, I wish we could have Vieira managing us because the football he plays and uh, and the attacking talent they've got, they're utilising it. Whereas at Watford, we seem to not want to utilise our, our best our best talent and, and that is going forward. And it's baffling because to win games, you do need to score goals. Yes, clean sheets, you know, can pick up points. And, you know, we picked up a point against Old Trafford. But to go and get the three points, not just the point, you need to go and score a goal. And, and that's what your attacking players can do. So... I did think that was very, very interesting from from Wilfred Zaha. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. And like you say, we've seen it at at Watford within, what, about six, seven games that he's been here. It's really just like the tap's just gone so flat. Um, It used to be fluent. I was saying before at the start of the season that the front three were all interchange and link up really well together. 
And um, we've not seen that at all um, since Roy Hodgson's been in charge. And I, I just hope we don't go down the line of, I understand that he wants to make us solid and that, but we, we've got to start playing to our strengths with the attackers. And I think it was the Palace game that I was watching the other night. It was just for long balls up towards our front three. You can't just give them long balls. That's not what they're going to get the best out of the team. But giving our front three long balls to just run onto, I hope that it, it bounces overhead and Saul runs onto the end of it and sticks it to the back of the net. You just can't expect that. Um, I just feel like he's really taken away our ammunition at the moment with our front three. And hopefully it comes back against Arsenal. Um Freddie B's actually came back and said, I do agree with you guys. Clevs and uh, King out for KMB and Jao Pedro or Kushka. Yeah, uh, uh, Chucho, I mean, so I, I wouldn't mind Chucho coming in as well. I do think he would maybe offer a little bit more than Joshua King at the moment if he is injured. Uh, and then Mike Duffy says, Zaha in our team, cut him out, cut him from the stream, Ben. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I don't think James is coming back next week. Um, I will say about Wilfred Zaharvo, James. Um, I've got a picture of <laughs> a picture with him. Um, I bumped into him at my brother's birthday at this Fort is very, Park. This is very random, Ben. It is very random. Yeah, I'll um, try and find a photo next time when we're on. But okay. yeah, bumped into Wilfred Zaha at Fort Park, um, and I got a picture with him. I didn't tell him all, I was a Watford fan. Um, oh, we were pretty. It wouldn't have stopped to give me a photo, but he is a talented guy. I can't, I, I don't like him on the football pitch, but I, I do admire his ability on the ball. Um, when he is on the ball and not rolling around on the floor, and uh, that is. But James, um, just quickly, yeah. one question. I, I, I'm not going to ask you a score prediction this week. We'll give it a rest. Um, <laughs> Mike Duffy says I remember this, and then done those just snake emojis. Cheers, mate. Um, do you think Watford will stay up? Wow. Oh, my gosh. I was not expecting that question. Um, do I think Watford will stay up? No. Um, I don't think we'll stay up. And I've kind of accepted that fact. So what I've done is I've kind of accepted that we are going to get relegated. So if we do end up staying up by a miracle, uh, then then obviously I'm, I'm very, very happy. I, don't, I just think with the mistakes the owners have made, the managers have brought in, the player recruitment, the way the clubs run in general, we deserve to be relegated. You know, as a club, the, the way we, the way we've operated, we don't deserve to be a Premier League football club. We haven't got Premier League football players. And ultimately, our manager, um, you know, is not good enough for the Premier League at the moment. So do I think we'll get relegated? Yes. Um, however, we're not quite there yet. There still is that tiny, tiny, tiny bit of hope. Um so, yeah, we, I, I do think there's a 95% chance we'll get relegated. However, Ben, I am going to be optimistic. And if we do, you know, start picking up points at home as well as away from home, um, then I think there's a chance, but there's only a very, very small chance. If we stay up, are you jumping in the pond? No. <laughs> no, I tell you what, I've seen, I've, seen, I've seen a few people jump in the pond and I'm sure there's probably some horrible diseases in there or, or some horrible virus. So um, it's not for me. Well, are you saying um, you've seen a are you, are you saying because you've seen a state of the people that came out? Uh, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, I'll, I'll do anything. If Watford, if Watford stay up, um, I've jumped in the sea before down at Brighton when Watford got promoted. Uh, I stripped down to my boxes and ran into the sea um, and jumped in. And I was absolutely hammered that day, that promotion day. That was quality, one of the best days of my life. I'll tell um, you what, so, I'll, do, uh, yeah. I'll dress up as a banana. Ah, uh, you can't do that. Sam, you co-starred that from WD18. Um, you have to give us another fruit. Strawberry. <laughs> Strawberry. All right, you, you've heard it here. Um, James, if we stay up, James is dressing up as a strawberry to one of the Watford games, I'm going to say. Um, no? I've, I've, just not, I've, not signed, I've not signed any contracts yet, so this, this isn't necessarily <laughs> official. <laughs> um, Freddie B says the word hope kills um, our fan base sometimes uh, I, I do agree with you there Freddie um, just quickly as well um, I'm not going to give my prediction on whether we're going to stay up or not um, I'll, I'll give it to you next week after the Arsenal performance um, but a Watford player who looks like he is actually on the move is Ashley Fletcher he is close to joining New York Red Bulls on loan uh, the 26 year old has found game time hard to come by since he's joined the Hornets in the summer and um, it's 
it's just a puzzling one with Ashley Fletcher, isn't it, James? It's like, why did Watford yeah. sign him in the first place? Um, and then he's obviously, when he has featured, he scored, and then he's not really had the opportunity at Watford. He, he's when things, when we've looked like we needed a plan B sometimes this season, I thought, all right, put Ashley Fletcher up top and see what he can do. But I think he's only had three substitution appearances in the Premier League, so it's not. It's just been a weird sub, uh, a weird transfer, hasn't it, James? Yeah, very weird transfer. I think it's six appearances overall, two goals, three substitute appearances. It is very, very odd. I think he signed on a five-year contract as well, so we've committed a lot of uh, a lot of time and money to to Ashley Fletcher's contract. And what makes it even more baffling to me, Ben, is if um, if Ashley Fletcher moves to the MLS mid-season, which obviously looks to be a possibility. That means Dan Goslin could have been registered for the Premier League squad. So Goslin's been left out. Fletcher's going to move on. And that means Goslin still can't come in because we obviously missed, missed that registration deadline. So it's very, very odd. I think Samuel Kalu signing is very odd as well. He's, he's not played a single minute for us since he came in in January. And we're approaching, you know, March now, which is which is mental. It's terrible planning, isn't it? It's a, it's a terrible waste of money. It's a waste of planning. Um, there's a lot wrong about the way Watford operate at the moment. We obviously had the story break from the Daily Mirror, which isn't isn't in relation to Ashley Fletcher, but about obviously un, unpaid interns at Watford working full time hours, evenings, weekends, um, completely unpaid um, for what would usually be a really really highly paid job. So I think that's you know a discussion for another day. But there is a lot wrong about the, the way the club operates at the moment. And again, I think Ashley Fletcher, Samuel Kalu, Dan Goslin, they, they highlight they highlight the flaws of the club where we sign players for very, very little money. Um, we don't use them. And then we either sell them on for, for not a lot of money at all and make a loss on them. Um, or in regards to Ashley Fletcher and Dan Goslin, Fletcher might be off. And Goslin, uh, you know, Goslin's probably on thousands of pounds a week. And he's not got to do anything. He's not got to do anything for the rest of the season, which is uh, which is crazy. Which is crazy. So, um, so yeah, it's just it's just frustrating. It just it adds to my frustration about the club at the moment. I feel so detached. That story from the Daily Mirror, you know, frustrating me even more. I don't know what your th- thoughts are on that, Ben, but I think the club's just a just a disgrace at the moment. You know, they always say we're we're the original family club. They did that lovely thing with, with Anne Swanson, but but apart from that, you know, I, I feel so detached from from Watford at the moment. Yeah, it's it's terribly run from top to bottom at the moment. And yeah, reading that article in the mirror the other day, uh, when you were just speaking about it, James, I just couldn't shake my head enough. Um, it's I'm just furious that our oh, football club will do something like that. It's um, it, it's totally not on, and it's. Honestly, mate, I'm lost for words and I wouldn't expect it from a Premier League club and I thought our club was better and obviously it's well, not. But it's not, it's not. I think we have to make it clear, it's not just Watford who do unpaid internships. A lot of big companies and I think a lot of other football clubs do do it as well because from from my perspective, it's my dream to work for Watford, right? So for me personally, I would do anything possible to to work for the football club. However, I think, you know, reading that article, I think it's gone from people wanting to do the job to actually taking advantage of people. And I think that's where Watford crossed the line because, you know, maybe working a weekend here and there, unpaid, fine, you know, gain experience. I, I think that's great. You know, people do volunteering all the time, right? Um, yeah. But, you know, working full-time hours, evenings, weekends, for a whole, um, I think it was for a whole season, by the way, for the, for the, rest, for the rest of this season and potentially next season, um, I think it's disgraceful. I think it's taking advantage of people for for opportunities, and I do think Watford need to come out with some sort of statement or something regarding it because because um, I, I do think it is you know I think morally it's wrong, but it, it, it is still legal to do. But I, I do think a multi million pound you know family football club uh, need to be operating slightly differently to that. Definitely, and like you say, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. It, it's just taking advantage of people. And you would expect better from, I know you say if other other companies do it as well and other football clubs, but this is Watford Football Club. And like you say, it should be the original family club and Watford need to be doing much better than what they have done recently. And they need to sort, sort that out and address it immediately, if, if I'm totally honest. 
Um, but yeah, that's that's it for Watford this week. Um, thank you for everyone who's watched and on YouTube and got involved. Um, don't forget to hit the like button and subscribe. Um, just quickly before we go as well, I, I know it's not Watford related or anything, but I just wanted to talk about what's going over in Ukraine and that at the moment. And I'm not getting political and all that, but what we're seeing over there is absolutely horrendous. And I, my heart goes out to everyone who's over in um, Ukraine at the moment. And I just hope you guys stay strong and hopefully it's all resolved soon because, oh, it's, it's yeah, it's making me feel a bit emotional. I'm talking about it now. It's just absolutely terrible, and no one should be putting up with what those um, people are. Um, it's absolutely horrendous. So just stay strong, and hopefully it all gets resolved soon for you guys. But um, you've got the whole world support, and hopefully it's all sorted out soon. But yeah, thank you everyone for watching. Um, we'll be back next week to talk about the Arsenal game. Um, Hopefully three points, hopefully a shot on target before the 88th minute. And um, yeah, this, just keep our fingers crossed and yeah, have a good week, everyone. And we'll be back next week to see you. Stay safe, guys, and come on you horns. Podcast Network.